I think that if I ever got a cat, I would name him Bogart. Bogart or Astaire or something after someone old Hollywood. I don't know why. I just always thought it would be a good thing to name a cat. Kirsten, what would you name a cat? What would I name a cat? Um, Bartholomew. It's a good cat name. What, what would you name a cat? Uh, you know, I always thought I'd like to get um one of those one of those hairless cat the Sphinx cats with the big ears and name it Stella Luna because it looks like a bat and there was a a kids book I used to read about a bat named Stella Luna. Yeah, I remember that book. I, I read that book when I was a kid too. Oh hell yeah! All right. Um. So Jay and I, Jay and I have been friends for a chunk of time at this point, right, Jay? Yeah, let, let, let's introduce it. It's it's the Marmoset Chronicles, a personal retrospective. I'm Jay, that's Kirsten. Continue. So we've been friends for a chunk of time, right, Jay? We certainly have. Yeah, and we, we, as many friends do, we agree about a lot of things. Sure, we agree about plenty of things. Like the Golden Compass movie being bad, or, uh, yeah, you know. Yes, yes, lots of, lots of both controversial and non-controversial opinions that we share uh we also um you know we're, friends disagree about a lot of things for instance jay really likes neon genesis evangelion i think that show is maybe a three out of five kirsten really likes wolf's reign i think that show is a three out of five yes keeping in, in the in the vein of uh of high concept early 2000s anime you know, in a more general sense, uh, Jay plays a lot more video games than I do. I read a lot more Western comics than Jay does. Uh, we disagree on whether or not uh, Superman can be an interesting character. You know, I don't think we've ever genuinely disagreed about something more than we already know that we disagree about this movie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> listen, I, I, I want to preface this episode... Kirsten and I are very good friends. We have been for years. We care about each other very much. We we are not going to end our friendship over whatever level of disagreement you're about to hear in the next 30 to 50 minutes of podcasting material. But what we're about to say is that Jay and I are about to have an argument. Because Jay doesn't like Marmoset Chronicles movie for the Shadow Kid. And, and you know, lots of people don't like this movie. It's, it's probably... Everyone seems to agree this is in the bottom three Marmoset Chronicles movies. Pretty much. Does that sound about right, mm -hmm. Jay? Yeah, I, yeah. Three or... I, I've seen some people put it as high as number four. I would not, but I have, I have seen that done. All right. And, um, I... I think this movie is secretly genius. You sure do. <laughs> I, I would don't... you like to tell the audience a little bit about why? Okay, so... There are the things that always come up when we're talking about this when people talk about this movie and why it's and why it's not good it's like it's meandering it goes nowhere it basically just recaps a lot of the stuff that happened in the first three movies it um, sure does it's uh th th there's that weird um baby romance that goes nowhere that takes place throughout the whole movie. Uh, people say that the whole thing is kind of bizarre and out of left field for character, like character-wise for Georgie. It, people call this the bad rom-com of the Marmoset Chronicles. Uh, there's that one really terrible, uh, well, I I'm sure it looked good at the time, the dream sequence with the weird animation in it. I 
But we'll get to that. I will defend that as like really interesting, if nothing else. We'll get to it. But so far, otherwise, I agree with all of the general statements you're summarizing here. <laughs> yes, there's lots of reasons that people don't like this movie. I agree that all of those things are not awesome. However, I think where they're placed in the narrative and kind of what this does and how this movie functions um, is kind of genius, but, you know, genius doesn't necessarily mean, like, enjoyable to watch. Does that make sense? It does, and and I do know what you mean when you say that. That, you know, ultimate preface that has to be made there. I just... I agree that that's a phenomenon. I just don't see how, like, I don't see it with this movie. And and maybe I'm dumb. Maybe me and most people are dumb and wrong, you know? Like, it, 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 a person's allowed to be wrong. But, like, I, I just... He, it, it, I do feel like it comes off as a bad rom-com a lot of the time. And, like, I'm sorry. When you talk about Laz Patillo creating things with kind of C-level plots, but interesting movement and flow to them. Um, you mm-hmm. know, the second movie is really good at that. Like, Obstacle Core doesn't have a lot of plot. We've been over that. It, it's just kind of, you know, it, it's it's a it's a kind of simple crime movie about whatever it's about, really. But what happens with that is that there's a level of artistry to the way the elements of that are assembled that just make it a really fun and satisfying one of those that also has some really bizarre shit to say through place and setting and everything having a voice i think one of my biggest problems with this movie is that we've talked before about um how at its best this series is really good at giving everything a voice even if it's an inanimate object or a setting or or whatever i don't even really feel that way about swaths of this movie parts of it yes but like i i so many even just settings and choices when it comes to tone and location and the the structure of scenes just doesn't really feel like it has much to say to me. This is the closest I think Laz Patillo comes to phoning a movie in. Well, okay. I, I, I... Sorry, that was a lot. No, I don't think... I, I think... Okay. So, I think this movie... The, the point of this movie is that it is trying to be something light and happy and rom-com-ish and that's why it comes off that way so it's trying to do that and it is deliberately failing at it to to what end because that because okay okay so this is the, the parts of this movie that are the worst and that work the least are the parts where it's trying to be a romance movie where it's Georgie and this random, you know, 70s action movie girl, Laura, who shows up and they apparently have history, even though, you know, we haven't seen any of that. And then there's even though there's been three movies, uh, that's another reason people don't like it. It is weird that this is the first real bit of romance we see in Georgie's life, too. It's the it is arguably the only explicit romance. And it's fake. It's pretending to be a romance movie. Mm hmm. And, you know, we keep talking about how, how Georgie, like, how, how Georgie is, is, you know, struggling to both fit in and not fit in, and all of this history he has with places and the history that he doesn't have with places. And the one time he's like, okay, you know what? Like, I had my action movie. I had my family drama. I, I want a romance. I want a normal life. He can't even get the movie part of that movie right. 
the the fact that this movie is bad is on a or like does not work the fact that this movie does not work as a romance movie is the point because because okay this is really meta it's meta to the point of being stupid but (laughs) like imagine being so bad like because everyone's like okay so it's a romance movie but it's not even like a good romance movie like it's not shot like a romance movie uh-huh. Well, of course it's not shot like a romance movie. Georgie doesn't know how to be in a romance movie. <laughs> I, 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 I'm following you here. And I, I, I think there's something to that. I just, I, I guess I think it's just a shitty way to execute that idea. I, I think, and, and we, you know, something else we've talked about that I think is definitely a support of your point is that Laz Patillo has a weird relationship with his audience. Like he, doesn't always like them that much. He doesn't always care that much about them when it comes to. So he, I, I think Laz Patillo has a point early on. I think we, we've, we've said explicitly this before. So uh-huh. I apologize if we're retreading too much ground here. He pretty explicitly doesn't always give a shit about how his audience feels watching his work. Not in the sense mm-hmm. of not caring that they're there, but not, not caring about giving them a certain kind of feeling. And I, I think from an artistic standpoint, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. But if you want to tell me that he invested all of this time and all of this effort and work and, you know, the, the trust and collaboration of his actors and the studio and everyone into making that point or into, into, I'm sorry. I, okay. I am going to make a left turn here and talk for a second about the movie Melancholia. Have you ever seen Melancholia? Yes. I'm not a huge fan of Melancholia or Lars von Trier as a director. Agree and agree. We're in the same boat on that one. Um, like, uh, kind of masturbatory tragedy porn, usually taking it out on women. Yes, I completely agree with you. Um, and I think, so one reason that the people who like Melancholia like Melancholia is because they say it's like what the, the stuff, you know, that movie is about depression and what depression does to you. And people make the point a lot that it is a well-written representation of that. I, I think it is in the sense that it is just aggressively blunt about it in a in a monotone way for two hours and then ends. And I I I watch it and I can say, yep, this is a in many ways accurate representation of what depression can do to a person. Are you making a point with it other than to, like you said, do a like tragedy porny thing and point and go, look. Look how sad she is. She's fucking a random guy on the front lawn on her wedding night because she's depressed. Now the planet's cr- now there's a moon crashing into the planet or whatever because things feel pointless. Do you get it? Like it, it I, I feel like he's shouting "get it" through the entirety of that movie, and I feel like if if what you're saying about this movie is true, then that is exactly what Laz Patillo is doing. But instead of depression, it's Georgie's inability to form romantic relationships. Fair enough. Fair enough. However... I'm sorry, that was a longer derailment of your point than I meant it to be. I apologize. No, I, I like where we're going with this. But the thing is, the thing is about, about melancholia is melancholia, like you said, is hitting you over the head with it. Like, it's it's such blunt s- symbolism. It might as well be a, an, an American romanticism no- uh, novel. That's a little yeah. shot at Nathaniel Hawthorne. <laughs> <laughs> well played. <laughs> 
But I don't think, but that's not what this is doing. If, if this was doing like the really blunt symbolism, it would be like, oh, like, look at how, look at how Ro uh, Georgie can't grow this rose bush. Do you understand yet that this rose bush is the romantic relationship that he cannot form with anyone? But that's not what he does. He does something way more interesting, which is that he makes a movie which is trying to be something and can't be it. So that would be like, so, so it's way more, it's way more like, a deconstruction of a romance movie, but the deconstruction goes as deep as like the shots themselves don't make sense in a romance movie. Hmm. I, I, I can't shake the feeling that it's similar in a way though. Like I, I, I hear what you're saying about the bluntness and that, and that's valid. Mm -hmm. I think at the same time, I, 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 okay. This is, this is a sentence I'll never say again. I think you're not giving melancholia enough credit. And here's what I mean by that. <laughs> fair I, enough, I, fair think, enough. I think melancholia is, and I love how we're talking about these two movies, like in equal length at this point. I think melancholia is very intentionally constructed to only make you feel despair. Yeah. And I, I think it's a fucking miserable movie to slog through for that. But yeah. I do think if, you know, that is what the artist intended and that is what he made. It sucks, but that is what he made. I think that and I intentionally made this a shitty romance movie to call out that the main character is unable to engage with romance are very similar. Not identical. You're right that they're not the same. Okay. But I, I, I think the the kind of misguided creative, not misguided, just like the misguided relationship between the artist and the audience, mm -hmm. which is, you know, something that he does cultivate in other movies, but not in this, I don't mm -hmm. think. It, that is is very similar. I, I don't know. It, it's a comparison I cannot shake. Okay, but the things that don't work about this romance movie should be working is the thing. Because, because there are, there are, because it's not like, it's not like Les Patillo can't write you know, convincing, sweet kind of interpersonal relationships. We never really get that big into romance in the future yeah. movies, but he writes wonderful, um, like intimate friendships. Um, sure, yeah. He 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 shows like the the few times like married couples show up in the, these movies that are going to come up. Like the, the, you can really like tell like this emotional intimacy he's able to convey, which makes the fact that this movie doesn't work so hard, it has to be, like, it has to be intentional. Like, it, it did, I mm. cannot fathom how this movie exists if it was not made to be viewed exactly how it's, it's being viewed. And so this whole thing, that, you know, the, the other, so this is, this is a recap movie and a tepid, ro this is, and a tepid romance. But, mm -hmm. so this is also, to kind of go into the, the, the talk about the, the recap a little bit. Yeah. The structure of this movie is that Georgie is taking a rest sort of after the enormous fallout of what happened in, in, at his home in the last movie. Oh, yeah. Um, and in, in one of the stronger scenes in the movie, it, it, it's just sort of him coming to this like country house bed and breakfast in the mountains. And he like, takes a moment and he sits down on the bed and he's like and he has this like exhale where it's like okay like a lot just happened to me in the past month mm -hmm. so this is a movie about processing which is i think why the flashbacks come up and why he's going through all this because sure. he's he's in a bit of a life hiatus right now mm -hmm. where he's this is 
and he tells you that right from the beginning because he walks into like a, a bed and breakfast in the middle of nowhere. He's like, all right, I'm going to figure my life out. And he figures that out by processing his traumatic shit that's happened to him. And also uh -huh. trying to forge something that he can build the future on. This romantic relationship with Laura, who just so happens to be there too. And I'm, I'm with you so far. But both Georgie as a person and the movie as a movie fail at doing both of those things. This is a movie about failure and the movie itself fails. And I think on some level that's a little bit genius, but also I can I can respect that it's not that fun to watch. There are plenty yeah, I, I, there are plenty of things that are genius but not necessarily good. Yeah, I I, I definitely and it, it's not just that for me. So I I do like the idea of what you're describing here. I think it's an interesting idea that what what if you know this was created as a failure in action. In order to show you something that Georgie's failing at, I just, I, I think if it were an element in a movie, I don't know. I don't know if this is even true, but I think that if this were an element in a movie that had other things going on, if the engine of the movie was not being entirely driven by that thesis, I feel like it could be a part of a more interesting whole. Maybe if there was more of a contrast between like some other character in a different movie going through a more idyllic version of what Georgie's going through. Mm -hmm. If there was some other frame of reference presented and you get a little bit of that with the, um, you were talking about married couples, the, the one couple that's also at the bed and breakfast, um, mm -hmm. the, 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 the I believe is their last name. They, they, they're only referred to by that. Mm -hmm. You know, there is that little bit of contrast there i guess but even then what what patillo does is wrap their romance and their little bit of a subplot into making a point about how Geor georgie's life isn't capable of fostering romance in a way that just kind of washes over that contrast i i, I don't know I, I just don't think it's effective in how it does it i so talking about I guess pacing. Um, something I think a lot about with series of movies is comparing them to seasons of a TV show, right? Okay. One with a decent amount of actual planning. I, you know, it, it's an interesting contrast when you have a show that has actual planning behind it. Um, okay. You know, so something something with a decent amount of thought put into what that season by season progression and development looks like. Mm -hmm. What makes a good season of a show versus what makes a movie in a series. Um, mm -hmm. And I think they're very different things. I, I think a lot of the time you see more, you know, you see an artist take more leaps, especially when that artist is named Las Patillo, in between movies than you often do in a director in between seasons of a show. Seasons of okay. a show strive for that consistency yes. uh, a lot more. A and that's great. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull from the the what what the, the comparisons of what we disagree on from the beginning of the episode here. So you like Wolf's Rain. I do. I'm gonna like use something from Wolf's Rain as an example. Go for it. Wolf's Rain. It is easily skippable, but Wolf's Rain has four episodes that are recapping what has happened in that show thus far in yeah. the middle of that show. Now on the I have the DVDs of that show. They're all on one DVD. You can just skip that disc. That's mm -hmm. fine. But I would argue even when it's way too many fucking episodes like that and not necessary in a show that's only 26 episodes, I think it actually still works better there because it is a, you know, a rest point. It is an intermission in the middle of that show. This feels like, I, I, what I think doesn't work about this movie is that Las Patillo tried to create a similar intermission to visit 
and th- this isn't me bashing too hard on on the um, on the the recap stuff. I, I don't hate the idea of the recap stuff. I think it's overdone um, mm. in the movie. I, I think it, 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 it's as if he did the same thing, taking that little intermission in the middle of his movie series. That's you know full cinematic productions coming out once every couple years uh has all this hype around it i also think the trailers for this movie made it made it look like a movie it wasn't like i which is interesting that the trailers try and make it look as much like a successful romance movie as possible and then you get Mm -hmm. it you get in and sit down and it's what it is i i think the fact that he devoted an entire movie to that idea sucks a lot more than it would be if it was a different form of media Wait. that were presenting its fiction in a different way. Are you saying that this is kind of like the Thor Dark World of the Marmoset Chronicles? Huh. Yeah, I, I guess it kind of is. Like, I have very foggy memories of that movie, but sure. Um, me too. I'm also like not at all the world's biggest Marvel Cinematic Universe fan. But from what I understand and what I've I kind of know Thor Dark World like is not a good movie it is considered like the like in the bottom of all those movies like some people say the worst I would probably go so far as to say that yes but you can't skip it because it sets up a lot of really important things even then, I I think you can skip it. You you can figure oh. out what the uh, the power stone does. Like it's, it's one of the infinity gems. It does power shit. Fair enough. But um, uh, but it, I mean, following that, like you know, logic, like that that this is you know that that does imply that there's some kind of very important information in this in the shadow kit, which you know is mostly Georgie's emotional angst. Georgie's desperation and inability to form a connection that'll last them for more than two weeks. Uh, Georgie's weird mom issues. Right. That's so that is, let's talk about that for a second. Um, Because that's something I think actually really does work pretty well in this is the ways in which this relationship between him and Laura. Yeah. Are are used to Uh sort of call out the mom issues, call out. Mm -hmm. And part of that is because going back to, you know, talking about order, we saw so much of those mom issues in diagnosis aquamarine with, Mm -hmm. you know, his mother being one of the most fascinating characters in this Mm -hmm. entire saga. Really fast. Um, On the one hand, it does deeply annoy me that like this, love interest female character was has was introduced essentially not only just to, you know to just be a love interest that isn't going to work out but to help him work out this mom issue or just sort yeah. of aware of it on the one hand that really annoys me on the other hand that's how emotional abuse works so well, yeah uh, that, that and i could even see that as being a supporting argument for your whole point about it being intentionally an unsuccessful movie so i have uh, it's like it's like two like warring ideologies are like in my brain right now because on the one hand that 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 sucks from like a female character representation standpoint but on the other hand that's incredibly accurate from like a trauma recovery standpoint <laughs> right and, and yeah I, I think the criticism that Laz Patillo is not the best with female characters being allowed to have true agency and do things other than you know give the protagonist the man protagonist something to reflect on that is that is a criticism you can love that is a problem until later when we meet margo but margo's still a couple movies away i do think so we can't get into this too much because this is referencing a future movie okay i think that if you want to talk about you know examining georgie's inability to form romantic relationships fine 
I think, and, and, and like you said, we never really see explicitly, we never see Georgie see a woman and go, I want to date her and pursue that. We very, we don't really see him being romantically pursued unless it's like a moment when some, someone tries to proposition him at a bar or something. Yeah. Um, but what we do get in, you know, two, two movies from now, we are going to have the implied, we're going to learn a little bit about another attempted romantic relationship he did have somewhere in the past. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's with a character who does show up. It's with Margot. I think the subtle things that happen with him and Margot in that movie are so much stronger in how they call out that point while adding to what is good and interesting about that movie so much more than any of this works for me in this movie. Because here's the thing, Kirsten, I'm coming around on your thesis with this movie, that it is intentionally that? a failure at being a romantic comedy. Yes. And I dislike it more because of that now. Well, yeah. I, I, I don't think I like that. I think I kind of hate it. I also, you know, there's there was some other, this could also be like a, it would not surprise me then there's no confirmation on this. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, the studio was like, you gotta add a romance. And uh, Laz Patillo was like, if I need to write a romance, it's gonna be bad. But I do, I I can absolutely respect that you hate it. I'm not entirely sure if I like it, but I need to respect something that goes so hard in like weird postmodern um, storytelling. Right. Like, and, and I, I, I'm with you in respecting it. I, I think the difference between us is that that respect has a longer tail for you than it does for me, I think. See, I just like, it just sort of, there's a lot of weird postmodern storytelling. And I mean, so, so there's a, there's a, a John Barth story that um, in, in the front of the, it's the first story in his mo most uh, famous collection of short stories where it's called frame i think it's called frame tale and it's a strip of paper that you're supposed to cut out of the book and fold into a moebius strip so that it okay. reads so that it reads once upon a time there was a story that begins once upon a time there's a story that begins once upon a time and that's the that's the story okay i have absolutely no idea if i like that i don't i don't know if i like the fact that that's presented as a full narrative but i mm -hmm. love the fact that it exists and it's presented in that way. <laughs> I, I I understand what you mean. I and I think I think my reaction to that would be similar. I'd be like, huh, that's that's an interesting idea. And also this person should get over himself. Like, and maybe that's that makes me a bad critic. Like that's a that's a decent argument, but like I I, I don't know. I, I hear that, I'm like, all right, cool. Like I, I just sort of sure like I respect it, but that does not stop me from kind of just shrugging at it in terms yeah. of like, yeah, all right, what else you got? Like I, I, that kind of, if we want to talk about artists making different kinds of statements like that mm -hmm. and manipulating the structure of their art to make those statements, I think that, that, you know, like, yeah, that, that is a really interesting conversation to have. I look at something like that and I just, it just doesn't give me a lot to chew on. Like I, I can respect that that is what the artist did, mm -hmm. but if if the artist does it, I, I don't know. Res respect for the artist doing it does not equate to giving me a reason to personally feel for it or care. And that is why this movie fails on every level for me on a, on a, on a meta level above the level of it failing in order to make the point it succeeds in failing in order to make the point. It fails at making me care that it has done that. 
I think a big difference between the two of us is that I, 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 th- I love, I love it when an artist goes out of their way to break their medium. Mm-hmm. I don't mean break it like get out of its confines. I mean that they're like, can I like take this thing I'm doing and tear it in half and still work in the medium? Sure. And yeah, I, I think that's a neat exercise. I, I think you're right though that it, it it does something for me. It doesn't do as much for me. I don't think. And that is fair. And in the sense that it's not like it's not it's not like a fundamental selling point. I mm-hmm. guess. And that's fair, but and I but I think I find that a little bit more fascinating than you, which is why I think this movie is secretly genius, if not necessarily super enjoyable. Should Laz Patillo have left something this like meta narrative heavy as maybe an experimental student film? Probably, but you gotta <laughs> respect the balls on the man that he didn't. <laughs> I, I I can respect that. Like just and and I know that this is this has come up a couple times uh, when when we were when we've been chatting with people about this and this comes up all the time when you're talking about Las Patillo like uh, just that level of glorious not giving a shit like incredible mm-hmm. pettiness he will uh, I found this out I found this out um through um someone uh someone in our Discord did you know that he refused to let any of his movies be shown in the UK? <laughs> yeah, I did. Absolutely nuts. It's so, they is they, he on record about a specific reason why? Well, well, I mean, they they wouldn't let his um they wouldn't air his movie like the first one. They wouldn't air the Phantom and the Wren because of how um because of their their uh, television guidelines because it was too gory or something. Um, okay. And he was just like, okay, then you don't get any of them. <laughs> God, what a guy imagine that yeah like i and i don't i don't know if i would like las patillo if i met him um oh i i'm sure i wouldn't i i don't i think he is fascinating and and yeah no i would not like to talk to him i don't know if i wouldn't like him there are some there are some directors where i'm pretty sure i wouldn't like them for instance yeah uh, 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 as we've referenced him before, I don't think I'd like Quentin yeah. Tarantino. I don't think I'd like Quentin Tarantino. I don't think I'd like um, uh, the guy who made Melancholia, whose name is now escaping Lars me. Von Trier. Lars, I kept thinking Boz Lerman, which is definitely wrong. <laughs> I think I'd like to meet Boz Lerman. <laughs> Same. But I, I don't know if I'd like Las Patillo or not. Um, but I would definitely like to pick his brain a little bit. And I definitely respect the man's just... If he decides he's going to do something, he goes in 110%. If he decided he sure. was going to make a bad movie, and he made a pretty bad movie, a pretty mediocre to bad movie. He he decided like he's going to he's not going to let his movies be aired in the UK. They're never going to be aired in the UK. I would love to see the boot with a bootleg like market for these movies in the 80s though. Oh uh, yeah. You got to you got to admire the Hutzpah sometimes like yeah, yeah, and and I do. I just, uh, yeah, I I think we, we we're treading. We're, we're, we've 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 made the point at this point. But I just I do. It just doesn't carry me as far. I guess I don't know. There are things I do like about this movie. I, I think talking about the that dream sequence and the animation stuff that goes into that. Mm-hmm. Um, there and are people who worked on bad, that. Even a bad Las Patillo movie is like still a pretty okay movie. 
Sure, yeah, and, and there's and there is very good filmmaking that goes into that. Um, there were animators who worked on those dream sequences who went on to work for like Don Bluth and elsewhere from there, which is an interesting career path. Um, <laughs> there is a there's a lot as always to be said for the you know I, I I know what I said about set design, but there there are some things that do have cool character to them. I think um, the the choice of having like both very cold climate alpine trees and stuff around this bed and breakfast and then just a beach nearby that has palm trees on it is like a really interesting contrast choice that i don't know exactly what it's trying to convey but is like interesting to think about mm -hmm. i guess i guess that's where i land a lot of stuff in this movie is that in previous movies and in future movies every inch of what is being set up visually and constructively is almost always trying to get a specific point at you. And if, if, if that point for this is look at this thing, not quite succeeding, I, it just doesn't give me as much to chew on when it comes to visual language and, you know, the way music is used as well as, as how directing and storytelling are used. Um, but I do think they are still like w w the integrity that I will give him that I think is interesting is that even if, He's creating visuals and scenes and settings that are less um, deeply planned out. They are still strange and, you know, like they carry the spirit of the rooftop ballerinas. Yes, yes. <laughs> they, they are still bizarre and leave you with something to think about. And I, I yes. do respect that. Agreement. And um, we, we should, uh, the, you know, the thing that everybody um, agrees about this movie that is good is the soundtrack. Soundtrack sure. is great. I have a friend who's a uh, who's a percussionist, like went to school for percussion. Um, goes absolutely batshit wild for the timpani stuff in the soundtrack. Uh, he thinks that it's like absolutely insane. Um, he's told me why it's absolutely insane, and it's kind of in one ear and out the other. I was a vocalist and never <laughs> really good at uh, rhythm and percussion. Uh, you know, true to that uh, stereotype. Yeah. That's really good. I do think you know. Benjamin St. James does what he can with this material, even if he, it, this is the only time where there's a few times where it, it approaches on uh, on scenery chewing. Like yes, th there's, a <laughs> there's a reason why like most of like the meme gifts come from this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like I, maybe, I guess, I guess you can make the case that that is also Laz directing him to be that way a little bit, maybe, or maybe yeah. it's just him not knowing what to do with some of the material. I think both are valid. Yeah. Um, I do think Mr. St. James, um, this is also, um, I have a weekly segment here looking into the little behind the scenes things on the VHS as I watched. In this one, this is the one where he has the interview where he's clearly just very fed up. And you don't know with what. It's just very clear that he's ready to go the fuck home a little more <laughs> than any other ones. And again, yeah. you know, this is the guy who he and Laz were legendarily very good friends during the creation of these movies mm -hmm. um but even he it, it always seemed like on in the stuff on set for this one seemed like maybe he wanted to be there a little less i think he still believed in las patillo through this movie and through yeah. all the future ones obviously like you know he didn't walk out on the project or anything oh no but we, we mentioned last time how the previous movie was a window into Laz Patillo's personal upbringing to a degree where none of the cast really wanted to talk about it because they felt like they would be betraying him. Mm -hmm. This one, it felt like they didn't know as much about what, if anything, personal this came from in terms of Laz Patillo and why he was writing and directing this movie the way he was. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also, you know, this is when a lot of the, like, 
really petty sort of meta nonsense starts going on. Sure. This is when he starts yeah. taking weird shots at people. Um, this is when he and George Lucas have that legendary blowout fight and never speak to each other again. I mean, you say never speak to each other again, like they were like buddies to begin with. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, I, they were. And yet we somehow know that they never spoke to each other again. Well, that I, is how salient it I was. Mean, listen, listen, listen. That's going to happen when you have a screaming match on, on, on the red carpet of the Oscars. <laughs> it, it is a pretty fantastic screaming match. Like what a... Speaking of going into things 110%, I mean, I guess if you're going to have a screaming match with anyone, it might as well be George Lucas. And if it's going to be anywhere, it might as, be, might as well be on the red carpet for the Oscars. Like, yeah. wow. Um, Best picture for that year is any footage of that argument. <laughs> there's there's sadly little of it. but um, yeah. And he started, you know, acting kind of erratic and sort of really buying into this persona more. Um, yeah. This is when I think it became, in retrospect, it becomes obvious that he's going to have um, a fallout with the Hollywood execs, be pseudo oh, yeah. blacklisted, finish his baby, and then run away to the Latvian uh, wilderness. <laughs> yep. Yeah, which which all came to pass. I When you're talking about that persona, I, I always, and this is, you know, this is very rote, but like, I, I do always wonder if it was something he just really wanted to do is like, is like really buy more into like, let's make Laz Patillo be a legendarily weird guy. Mm -hmm. Or if it was just like a feeling of pressure when, you know, when we're talking about audience stuff, especially you know? did he see his audience celebrating that about him and feel a pressure to crank it up to 110%. I don't know if that's true. You know what? Because like you're saying, he does, he doesn't, like, he, he doesn't give a fuck a lot of the time. But was, you know, to what degree is what not giving a fuck something that he himself started to play up a little? You know what I I think, um, and this is a kind of me going psychoanalytical on it. Um, sure. I think that after, you know, after Diagnosis Aquamarine came out, which, you know, we've talked about as a painfully personal movie. And then he kind of had a breakdown while making it. I think he was like, oh, okay. I don't want anyone to like look at me like look at the inside of me like that again so what if i give them a persona to look at instead mm -hmm. what if i construct this persona they can take out anything they want on the persona but i can keep like actual laz kind of for myself and my friends and family and i think that's like a lot of what like you know it's it's basically just taking a stage name to the next level but how true is that i don't know laz patillo if you're listening to this please tell me um, Please, yeah. Listen, hey, Laz Patillo, if you're listening, forget when we said we wouldn't want to meet you. We do want to meet you. Can you fucking imagine? <laughs> yes, I, listen, I imagine it frequently, and it's scary. Uh, huh. God, but yeah, I, I, I don't know what. Like, back to the movie at hand. I, hmm, I'm trying to think what else there is even to say because I, I, at the end of the day, I, I legitimately do feel like you have kind of convinced me in terms of that being what the intent behind the movie was. It doesn't work for me, but I hear you and I think you have a strong case for that. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't make me like it more, which is, you know, like th there's not a whole lot else that I can even say about that other than that. It just doesn't. It. When I think about Les, and I'm talking about my, my first name. We're going to get beers later. Um, no, when I think about Les Patillo, I think a lot about, you know, 
if you're going to talk about a director you like and the sort of pseudo relationship you have with that director built on the things you like about what they do. Okay. Um, when you think about that one way relationship for me, it, th that relationship is just at a low point with this. Like when I, mm -hmm. when me and my friend last Patillo are hanging out, you know, when I think about what I like the most about Laz Patillo's work, it's when he constructs these things that, you know, every time I watch, I see another supporting argument for whatever greater thing he is trying to do in every bit of the fabric of the movie. And if this one has less of that in order to push what he is trying mm -hmm. to do, it just doesn't make me want to revisit it. It just makes yeah. me lose investment, I guess is well, what it is. It, I mean, it's, I, I, it makes it hard to invest in. On the bright side, um, if this was just kind of, because you said, you said at the beginning that this feels like it was phoning in a movie. And even if, you know, I'm right, and I do suspect I'm right, and that a lot of that this phoning in was intentional. It's still, you know, he probably didn't put as much a creative energy into it. I think uh, unless that creative energy was like holding back his creative energy. Uh, but if he needed that recharge movie to like take a breath and realign himself and figure out what to do next. I mean, I do think it was worth it because movie five really gets back into the swing of things. Yeah, that's where we get to talk about the co-director stuff, which I which I do. We will get to it, but I I am a defender of that. I think that's I I think that is a really interesting product, and I and I hear you. I I, I agree with you. If, if this had to you know had to walk so that could run, then that's fine. You know, every creatives that's just a thing that happens with art. Like absolutely. Yeah. Um. And you know, if this was the exhale he needed, I, I suppose it could have been worse. Um, like I said before, a, a bad Laz Patillo movie is still better than, you know, a mediocre movie by a lot of other mediocre directors. Uh, a bad Laz Patillo movie is still better than any, like, Hollywood remake of a beloved thing from 40 years ago. Oh my god. Here. <laughs> you know? Just make, just, just, okay, just make new things. Stop repackaging old things. Just make new things. Uh, yep. Yep. I don't want to. Exactly. I don't. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna subject you or anyone listening to my rant about Disney live action remakes. But oh god, we have to be here all day. Just know I hate them on principle. Well, you mean you you don't like CGI realistic lions singing to you? I don't. I I I hate the soulless corporate smile behind that idea. Just make new stories, stop repackaging old things and being like, here, take them again, give us more money. You remember this, right? Give us more money for it to watch it again, but worse. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm going to Yeah, say. no, and I, I hear you. No, you're good. I This is a side note, and we can cut out of it even if you want to. The one I have heard goes past that is Dumbo, actually. Um, because like apparently the Tim Burton directs that. Um, yes, I'm finding a way to mention Tim Burton every fucking episode for some reason. Uh -huh. T Tim Burton directs that, and that's the one where the original movie is the first act of this movie of the new Dumbo, and then it just goes off and does other stuff. And that at least I I can respect. And to be fair, Dumbo is way way older and was is is from a time when um those movies were almost skeletons of movies. 
Yeah, for like sure. if you want to do, if you want to do, and they've they've done this in various ways. If you want to do a live action remake of Snow White, but then mm-hmm. flesh out the story more, because Snow White is barely a story, especially the it's Disney, nothing. especially the Disney animated version. So if you're like, yeah. we're going to do this, but we're going to give it an actual plot, that's fine. But don't just read. Okay, you know, now we're really off base. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's uh, honestly, we can bookmark this and do like a bonus episode sometime about it if we want to. Let's let's. Put a pin in it for right now, though. Bonus episode. Listen to Kirsten uh, scream about how much she hates Disney. Mm-hmm. Disney is evil, anyway. Disney is evil. If 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 somehow Laz Patillo's movies ever wind up on Disney Plus, that's how we will know it's time for the end times to begin. Truly, Patillo would never allow that. And you know, I know. We kind of round this out because we 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 have shit talked Patillo a little bit in this episode to kind of round sure. it out something um, I really respect about Laz is his uh, um, dedication to the integrity of his work. Sure. Yeah. And um, how, and like, even when he sells out a little bit, he doesn't really sell out. He makes sure mm-hmm. that there's um, some element of, you know, the original heart and soul of the project in it. And I think as long as you're doing that, you're not really selling out as long as you keep something true to the original idea and how much you loved it, that's fine. Um, and I think Laz always does that. Even this this movie, the most tepid of all his movies, with its not great romance and Laura, who's never mentioned again and was never mentioned beforehand, and the really bad bed and breakfast scene, I, I it still feels like authentic. <laughs> Yeah, and and I I can respect that. I, I want to make that clear too. When I when I'm talking about what I don't like about it and stuff lacking in that relationship between the viewer and him, I I do respect that he kept that integrity. Whatever you know, yes. even if the path that led him down is one that I don't think works, I can I can respect that he did it anyway. I guess. All right. All right. I feel like that uh, that kind of covers it. Unless you've yeah. got anything else, I'm I'm good. We've been running pretty long here. Yeah, uh, that has been Jay and Kirsten have an argument. It was a pretty civil argument, all in all, honestly. No, no screaming. Um, no screaming. We, we no. did not emulate Laz Patillo and George Lucas. <laughs> Thank God. Um, <laughs> I don't want to be either of those people. I don't want to be George Lucas or Laz Patillo. <laughs> all right. Oh, God. Uh, well, you are Kirsten Meehan. Where can people find you on the internet, Kirsten? You can find me on Twitter at Kirsten M. Writes or on Instagram at Kirsten Meehan Writes. Uh, come to me on Twitter for occasional screams into the void about stuff. Um, come to me on Instagram for some poetry, general writing, book stuff. Uh, I'm trying to write some sonnets now. That's been fun. Um, and how about you, Jay? Where they, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Extreme Salsing, YouTube at, uh, hi, I'm Jay, uh, twitch.tv slash Extreme Salsing. Also, we are on, uh, the Orange Grows Podcast Network, as always, which is, uh, full of other shows that are fantastic. Um, you mentioned the Discord. The Discord's been great. It's been really fun seeing other people talk in the Marmoset Chronicles channel, uh, in the Orange Grows Discord about their experiences with the movies, about, you know, like you said, we found out about the UK thing because of that. So it's been really great having others supplement what we're talking about here through that. So if you want to do that, that's the place to do that. Um, also, real quick, let me uh, plug 
this will, you know, we're recording these a little bit in advance, so I don't know exactly what will be up then. But um, people on the Orange Groves have been using and are using the Orange Groves' Twitch, uh, Twitch channel as a way to do some streams for uh, charity to try and help people who are being affected by coronavirus quarantines and who might have, you know, lost jobs or have a difficult time getting food and other resources. Twitch.tv slash the Orange Groves. Um, so if you want a, a fun, goofy avenue to support people in these trying and uncertain times, there you have it. And speaking of trying and uncertain times, please take care of yourself and take take care of people in your community and yes. um, uh, just uh, the world's really terrible. So try to, you know, put some kindness into it. <laughs> uh, put out, put out, counter it with goodness wherever you can. That's, yeah. you know, th we started this before that all started going down, but I feel like now that is something I think that this show means to both of us is a way for us to try and give, give positivity to whoever we can out there who needs it. Cause yes. we all kind of need it right now. All right. And with that, are we, well, with that, we uh, we can leave you until next time. Uh, next movie where it is time to talk about the dual-directed mess and maybe masterpiece known as And the Mountain Came to Them, which is maybe my favorite title of any of these. Very, very grandiose. All right, have a great time of day, guys. See ya. Have a great time of day. Goodbye. Hi everyone, I'm Andrew. Hi, I'm Marn. This is the Argonauts Podcast. Each week, I'm going to try and solve an old defunct ARG, and Marn's going to tell me what I should have done instead. That's true. Marn, what ARGs have we covered so far? So far, we have covered Spectacular Organic Frog Fractions 2, Sexy Girl Max 2019, and This Is My Milwaukee. And that list is only going to continue to grow. Yep. Come check us out every other Thursday on the Orange Groves Network. And you can find us at argonautspod.com. Argonautspod.com.